for stopping by. Today, we're going to be talking to some real people about some real things. Hopefully get some real laughs from some real stories. If you like it, that would be nice. If not, no one really cares. I'm Matt Lavelle. He's Tom Byers. Our guest today is Jill Byers. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. Let's get started. All right, so Shake, let me tell you a little something about our guest today. All right. I can't wait. So, um, unbeknownst to some people, but beknownst to a few, I've had a few girlfriends in my time, seen a few, been there a bunch. And Allegedly. I'd always thought of when I do have a girlfriend, a serious one, because a lot of the times they weren't serious, but when I do have a girlfriend, I'd always in the back of my mind hoped that my girlfriend slash whatever would be friends with this lady we have on the podcast today. Uh, Ooh, she's uh, must be someone special. Yeah, she's uh, she's married to one of my good friends, and I've always seen her around. Always thought she was a classy lady. Always held herself in you know good rapport, high esteem, and but I always thought she was a good person and a nice person. So I would always want someone I would date to be friends with a person like that. Right. It makes I perfect sense. Yeah. I never wanted to date any of her friends. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> but I would want someone I would date to be friends with her. Right. So let's fast forward after me knowing Jill for, I guess, like 10 years, 10, maybe longer. Right. Because no. Yeah. Yeah. So known her for 10 years, I meet my what would be my wife, right? And then she and Jill had never met before. I then make the introduction, right? And right away, as I predicted, they hit it off. So I knew I was like, okay, if she if her and Jill are friends, this one's definitely a keeper, right? I end up proposing to uh, this this lady who is now my wife, Right. And her and Jill start going on having friendship things together. They would go to like brides, bridesmaids parties and bridal mm -hmm. bridal showers and all that fun stuff. So uh, at one of these bridal showers, my wife came home afterwards and she was really upset. And it wasn't because. Oh. It, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't because she was upset that something happened at the party. She was upset at the thought that she would never get a party like that right she was like in my mind she's in her mind she thought she wasn't special enough or she didn't have good enough friends or someone that liked her enough as a friend to be able to give her a party like that and then Aww. i yeah it was it broke my heart so then i ended up proposing to her she then asked jill to be one of her bridesmaids and mm -hmm. jill wasn't the maid of honor but she took on the role as if she was. And I watched from oh. afar as Jill took what was a shit show and turned it into <laughs> turned it into one of the best days of her life, which was her bridal shower. She was she was overfilled with tears of joy and happiness, and it just made her day, right? So, so she was an undercover maid of honor. Is that is that what we're hearing here? I mean, she, she should have been the maid of honor. She was, the, <laughs> was a, she should have been honorary act. maid of honor. Yeah. So but she took over took over the bridal shower and gave, you know, the 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 woman I love the best day. And I couldn't thank her enough. 
And that's why I was like, all right, good thing. Good thing I thought about this years ago that they should be friends. Right. Yeah. Really, you deserve all the credit, I think. I mean, is that what you're driving at? If if honestly, if we put all the if we add everything up, the one component that this couldn't survive without would be me. You know, <laughs> like take me out of the picture. They're not meeting. She's not getting engaged to and having a bridal shower and being happy on the best day, you know. So with me there, I was able to put them together and then Jill knocked it out of the park and was just incredible. So two, two peas in a pod. Two hey, yeah. And they've hit it off ever since. And I'm really actually happy that they're that close because Absolutely. like I said, Jill's Jill's an ace. So what I want to do now is I want to bring her on. Uh, she works in regulatory affairs and biotech, which for those dumbasses out there who don't know, means she's <laughs> dealing with some, uh, you know, with how, how, the, how, the, how the meat gets made, I guess, right? How the sausage is made, right? Is that the saying, right? I don't know. Uh, how, how the sausage is made, yes. Yeah. So we all get these nice It's the fancy- pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. We all get these nice fancy drugs that we love to take and we love to pop and all this fun stuff, but we don't know how it gets there. And Jill here is one of the main components of getting them on the shelf so we can get our addictions filled and, you know, feed the need. All right. So Jill, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I know you're great. Quick question real fast. Have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? And if yes, what are your thoughts? Go. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Got it. Thanks for coming uh, on. Yeah. I have seen Bohemian Rhapsody. And, and I'm I'm pro Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh, Wait, boy. I think. Well, actually, I'm, Here we go. when you asked me that, I was picturing the other one, the Beatles movie. <laughs> oh, good lord. Which one was but the I, Beatles movie? Oh, what? Uh, 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 the musical? Yesterday. 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 It's it's a slightly different concept. No. No. It's a it's a really cool concept. Oh, is that what the dude who the world forgets Beatles music and then he's so good. Really like really like that. Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Oh, I believe in. Today. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? John, Paul, George and Ringo, the Beatles. No. Stop it. Yesterday. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. Well, it's not Coldplay. It's not Fix You. Yeah. But if also, I have to think about Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't remember, so I'll I'll be whatever you want me to be on that one. <laughs> well, I, I would want you to say it's a garbage movie because it's a garbage All right. movie. It's garbage. Very Throw good. it in the trash. And this is <laughs> this is the end. This is our divorce. So, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah if uh, those listening haven't guessed already, uh, Tom Byers is actually married to Jill Byers. So mm-hmm. our own executive producer slash editor out kicked his coverage big time and snagged one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And one, one thing you have to remember is that yeah. if there's one thing that podcast producers get, it's the ladies. Oh. So. <laughs> sure thing. Sure thing. 
That's why you always carry tons of money and tons of ladies. That's it. (laughs) You're just swimming in it, pal. How could you not? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So let's get started. So Jill, um, before we get into your current vocation, I want to talk a little job history because I know you're just like the rest of us. Now you might be swimming in the corporate world, but before you were, you know, dragging the depths of the underground, just like the rest of us. So if you had to remember going back, what was your first ever job, like real jobs? It can be under the table, but I'm not talking about, you know, uh, raking leaves for $2 a day. I'm saying like, what was your real first job that you had to do that you were, you had to be at? First job does okay so my what i consider my first job to fit that criteria is maggie moo's ice cream scooper is that real enough oh yes 100 (laughs) percent. oh yeah didn't you work there with jesse uh and and john bell (laughs) (laughs) he was at subway he used to he used to uh karaoke into the mop handle we had like a glass divider between yeah. us. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got to know John Bell. Is through- <laughs> I met John Bell before I met Tom Byers. <laughs> yeah. Them being neighbors, though, you'd think it would have really? just happened the other way around. But yeah. no, yeah, that's stole my you heart. Are a real nice. That's a nice crew <laughs> to have, especially at a bad job. But nothing beats having somebody to be in the in the trenches with you, at least. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. There was more. a glass separator. So. Yeah. Well, you had a <laughs> perfect sep- distance. You had a perfect. You know, you were sealed off from from John. Yeah, well, as so, most should be. John, who I'm sure we'll have on the podcast very soon. Oh, I cannot wait. He will be a great, great episode. But so, he's also so what did, nuts. What did he do? So he would sing and like basically turn whatever song was into we, karaoke. We would close when. So his store, he worked at Subway, which had a glass wall between us, Maggie Moose and Subway. And Subway would close like an hour earlier or so. Yeah. And he would be mopping up. His store would be closed. And I was an ice cream store in Pennsylvania. So I was not busy at all usually. Yeah. Um, and so we would just be staring at each other, like having the same piped in music, <laughs> but separated uh. through a wall. And when he would clean up, he would just like, like uh, karaoke on the on the end of the broom, uh, the mop handle, and just whatever songs we were both hearing. <laughs> but we had never spoken to each other. It was just oh, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh him my across, god! But, I get yeah, it. Nice. <laughs> if if I know Bell like I think I do. Right. Uh, so hold on, just to go back to describe it, you guys are in a shopping center and you have like mm-hmm. you're in a building and your shops are next to each other. And the only thing that separates your shops is this glass wall. So yeah. you guys close an hour after Subway did. And Bell would be John Bell would be mopping the floor of the subway and then yeah. the music playing over the speakers. He'd be singing along to it into the mop handle. But he's not like faking it. He's going he's going balls out. He's- singing and probably air guitaring and stuff and little did i know that that would be the next door neighbor of my like future husband but, yeah. <laughs> but Le- i'm just seeing this creature across the hall Great- and greatness it. Uh, and this was before this is before you and tom started dating i didn't even know tom yeah guarantee yeah. i That's guarantee 100 percent 
that Bell told Alex about you, about this girl that works next to Maggie <laughs> Moose. He's like, I think this girl's got a crush on me. She always watches me sing into the mop. Man, he probably told me about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's probably how you heard about it. Yeah, man. Well, I'm telling you, you really, uh, so man, you really messed up there, Jill. I mean, to think you could have been married to Belle all this time. What a golly. mess. Yeah. I've yeah. been settling ever since, I have to oh, say. And that's really, when it, it comes to, soul. when it comes down to it, that's like a rounding error. You know, we're right <laughs> next door to each other. Yeah. yeah. What could have been? Yeah. So I have a couple of questions. Would he, would he like, would he restrict his performance if a customer came into the ice cream shop? I'm sure not. So, oh so the customer comes word. in, they they order this ridiculous ice cream cone with a bunch of mix-ins. For those of you out sure. there who don't know what Maggie Moose is don't, or if you was, say sto- I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> It well, was. What, a, is it, are you guys like Arch Emmons? You and we're rivals. And They're not to be spoken. Of you and Stone Cold <laughs> to this day. Yeah. yeah Cold, Cold, Cold Stone, Stone. Creamery. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Maggie, yeah. Maggie Moose was a place that you was maybe similar to Cold Stone no. in some ways, but maybe not in quality. Cold Stone copied, copied Maggie Moose. There yeah, it is. we there elevated it. the experience. But anyway, so a customer comes in. <laughs> <laughs> they order this ridiculous ice cream with all kinds of mix-ins. There's like 50 different mix-ins. And then they turn around waiting for Jill to make it and scoop it. And there's this this lunatic in a completely empty, mopped-up subway dancing around to probably like a Bee Gees song or something. Do, I do you assume. know what Belle's go-to karaoke song is? Because I, I know do. this. We all do. Yeah. yeah, Psycho Killer, right? Yes. Yeah. He yes. brings the ha- I've and, seen him bring the house down at multiple yes. bars. with he, he really does. Psycho Killer is his jam. So I can imagine it he's is. practicing for Psycho Killer later and on in his he, life. He does a very awesome thing at the beginning of the rendition where he takes the monitor where they have the words uh-huh. and he turns it around so he can't see the words because he knows them all by memory <laughs> and he needs everyone to know that, you know, this is coming straight from the soul, you know? Hey, look, I don't need to cheat with your monitor. I'm challenging myself with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and another question, Jill, I have is, what is the song rotation that you guys were dealing with? Was it like uh, the same five yeah. songs? Yeah, was, or was it, it like a nice station or what did they have? It was that before early Spotify, out? so yeah. it was probably just like what a, it wasn't a CD, it was like a radio station. We had that at Vinny T's. It was they would have it was like a it was like a five CD changer, right? That would just constantly mm-hmm. play the same yeah. five CDs that had like you know like a hundred songs on each, but it was like. I remember Burn, uh, you you know, you met Burn, Burn Pocacy. He used to say that if he did ever end up in the loony bin, it would be because that music was just constantly running through his head. And that's all he was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I worked at a Wawa third shift for one summer mm-hmm. and uh, I learned a lot, met a lot of great friends. Sure. Learned learned what the term lot lizard is, um, <laughs> which we will. We'll have to discuss at another time for, you know, just a little little teaser for the audience out there. Yeah. Tune in next time. We'll discuss lot lizards. Yeah. Um, but one thing that they had was like maybe, I don't know, eight songs over and over again. And I loved some of the songs, you know, Hollow Notes. Yeah. Like I said, Bee Gees. Yeah. All kinds of great music. But man, if you have to listen to the same six songs 
you know, eight songs over and over again. Yeah. It's like torture. And when I quit, the uh, person, the lady that uh, was the manager there, the head manager, she said, like, what is like the, give me one thing that we can improve with Wawa. And I said, please fix the music, you know, make it so that we can control the music. And she immediately just goes, yeah, that's what everyone says. We're not changing the music. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, well see, have a good life. Because <laughs> I worked at Wawa too. I worked right by the turnpike entrance uh, in yeah, Culpsville. Yeah. All right. So not to get onto our work stuff or John Bell's work stuff. So <laughs> Jillian Michael, as I call you, it's actually Jillian May Byers is your full name, but either way. So uh, Jill, so you're at Maggie Moose and that's when you're in like high school because originally you were born in California, correct? And then you moved mm-hmm. to, you moved to Lansdale, Pennsylvania, land of the free home of the brave. Uh, at the age of 14 is that right 13 yep 13 yikes so you were in eighth grade when you moved here uh sort of (laughs) i moved here i moved to pa twice uh (laughs) from california so that was one of them all right sounds fun all right so cool so was it you're in northern california too am i correct yes Okay, San Francisco, the Bay Area. Yep, that's me. Yep, Silicon wow. Valley. Oh, that's in Northern California. Yeah. Oh, I always thought that was yeah. Hmm. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, Fremont, where I'm from, is where Tesla is, and then Whoa. my mom used to work in the same like uh, like industry complex as like. Um, uh bill gates and things like that and the her favorite story is the terminator movie where they blow up a whole building was across the street from her work and they all took their lunch break to watch the building explode (laughs) Terminator too i think so yeah wow that's badass (laughs) what if what if imagine this right imagine this is because that would have been happened pre uh bill gates inventing the internet Imagine if your mom's standing there and she, I've seen your mom. She's a lovely lady and she's standing there watching the building go down. And then a nerdy Billy Gates walks up next to her, says, Oh my God, can you believe this building? This is crazy. (laughs) Saying like, Hey, let's go get a cup of coffee or something. Oh my God. (laughs) She says, says, beat it weirdo. I'm not hanging you you nerd boy and that rejection and builds you know the internet yeah maybe my mom was the inspiration for the internet (laughs) you guys keep saying the internet he did not do the internet internet. he was pc (laughs) personal computer yeah okay right and i i know my history pal all right (laughs) could you imagine it could have been jill gates (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm looking i'm looking at her right now and i'm seeing some similar features to you know just that standard bill gates face and beam me uh, up bill (laughs) yeah maybe you can make a claim yeah, no, that's that's fine. I'm I'm where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, any more money, any of his money would be useless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so man. yeah, that's old that's that. So talk about Fremont a little bit. So for the okay. for the audience so, out there that might not know Fremont, 
explain that place to us. Well, hold on. So let's timeline this. So you move here when you're 13. You get the job at Maggie Moose when you're 14, still in high school. Then after Maggie, how long were you at Maggie Moose? Because you were there for a few years because you met Shake while you were working at Maggie Moose. Is that correct? That's true. Okay, because I remember Jesse would say that, because I remember, yeah, yeah, because I think I had met you or someone had said you were Shake's girlfriend and I would hang out with Jesse and we would go there or something like that. Or she huh. knew you, but whatever. Also, another person who had a crush on you besides Bill, just FYI. So, either hey, way, yeah. Who did? Jesse. <laughs> Oh, she did? Yeah. That's so sweet. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, how long were you at Maggie Moose singing karaoke on a broomstick? Uh, well, I've had no gaps in job history from that job. So, I went straight from there to Pier 1 Imports. So, I don't know how long I was there, but wow. maybe, what do you think, two years or something? So wait, you went from Maggie Moose, then you mm-hmm. worked retail at Pier 1 Imports? That's right. This is our favorite time of the day. This is my favorite wall. This is my favorite chair. This is our favorite store. These are our favorite kids. <laughs> this is my favorite picture. This is my favorite place to work. This is my favorite guy. This is our favorite place to eat at. What's my favorite store? Pier 1. Pier 1. Pier 1. Pier 1. We all have our favorites. Come find yours today at Pure One Imports. This is my favorite dog. Three years there. Oh, God. Honestly, that's one thing. Knock on wood. I haven't done it yet. Doesn't mean I won't. Probably when Ilvia divorces me, I'll have to get a second job working retail. (laughs) But what is... So I've never worked retail yet, but I can only imagine Mm. it is as bad as advertised. Well, my favorite time at Maggie Moo's was um, when people would come in like stoned or drunk and I would convince them to just try every single mix in as if I invented that concept because our manager didn't even like us having a take a penny, leave a penny because he wanted all of the pennies. So I felt like I was already elevating my career, just (laughs) just (laughs) preying on the weak of <laughs> on from uh i don't know whenever the hours were eight to nine yeah. <laughs> creepy people that used to come in there probably get some uh, weird characters coming into maggie moves yeah, yeah. thank so you that's, that's like yeah. you're over there on like by white's road that's just there's some there's some creep balls over there okay so you, you're you're helping out the potheads at maggie moves yeah and then, so then pier one imports What's that like when you're dealing with, as opposed to, because I have to imagine those people can get kind of testy. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, they all thought we were on commission. So they really made young Jill work pretty hard. (laughs) Like carry, I had one man, I was trying to carry a sofa out to his car and his wife attempted to help me and he stopped her and said, don't do that. That's why she gets commission. So I carried out like a sofa bed to someone's car by myself. <laughs> people what? were very, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people well, can't see in- you, but you're uh, you're you're five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, 
and you played for the best college in the land for three years. <laughs> but that sofa bed had to weigh more than you at the time because you're in high school. You watched me for more than an hour drag it out from the floor to the car and insisted on not helping me. <laughs> an hour? Yeah. An hour? Yeah. An hour? Yes. Because like, how am I going to pull it from the middle where nobody else is going to help me? I'm in that stupid apron. <laughs> and then his wife is like <laughs> cautiously watching me drag it out into the road. Uh. What? Wow. <laughs> what a bastard. God. They were all bastards pretty much there. <laughs> Not even my worst customer. Yeah. What were some of the items that they sold there? Because I know there's like a bunch, it's all like high end overpriced weird where what is the pier one import is that where aims used to be is that what i'm thinking or is that no, no. no five, five points five points uh, yeah oh i know where it is yeah so um, okay i guess we'll have to remove that but <laughs> so okay so pier one imports you got johnny salami doesn't want to help poor little jill move a 200 pound sofa out of Pier 1 Imports to throw into the back of his Chevy Eldorado. And he, so, golly, that had to be rough. How many, so was there, so that was more, Pier 1 was more of like a furniture kind of place. Is that, was that, I've never been. Furniture, candles, and like kitchen, like knickknacks. And they had you in the furniture? You're a candles gal all the way. I'm telling you. No 200 pound candles. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. If only yeah. you were there. Oh, you know, had I been, had I been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chivalry yeah. is dead. It, how old was that guy? Well, I don't know. Probably like <laughs> 40 or something. So, they were so, all, you know, the the BMW Mercedes crowd, but still uh, like shopping at Pure One and not Ethan Allen. So they're a yeah. little they're a little cranky. Yeah, <laughs> Either way. Man. <laughs> Best warfare. What a bastard. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe like there's no way. Shake, I know, I know you would probably be the same way. But yeah. if if I saw Jill, little Jill, <laughs> high school, even if it's just a little high school kid, he could be a boy too. If they're having that much trouble that it's taking him this long to get a sofa bed out of a store. Like, I'd have to be like, hey, let me give you a hand. Also, I don't want to wait an hour for some little weak ass to push his <laughs> yeah. out of a yeah. damn store. Yeah, at the very least, just it's got to be efficient, even if you're going to be a jerk about it. Right. But yeah, I absolutely know that that situation where you at some point you have to stand, you know, step in and help out. What kind of commission and, could it have been? Too? I, yeah. It must have, must <laughs> yeah. have been like a $400 sofa. It was like, really racking it you, in. Can I, even if I was getting commission, what are you hitting me up for? Yeah. <laughs> well, should we, should we discuss how Jill's illustrious career at Pier One came to an end? Oh, let's do it. Yes, please. Let's, let's. I didn't even Jill, know. Jill, is this? Is this something that you were you were willing to discuss? Uh, sure. What do you Hit have me. in mind? <laughs> what do I have in mind? Yeah. How your Pier One Imports career ended? Uh huh. There might have been a certain traumatic event that <laughs> happened to you. Yes. Well, do you want to tell us what it was? Uh yeah, my I I stopped working there because I was uh, robbed at gunpoint after helping a a man pick out a present for his grandmother 
um, it was all a ruse. <laughs> this is this is a bizarre story. Okay, so whoa, <laughs> lots thrown at me. Okay, so we got a guy walks in, says, "Grandma needs a present." And you say, well, absolutely, sir. I'm an excellent employee, and I'd be more than happy to help you find a gift for your grandma, right? Right. So then, do you remember what the gift was? I do. I even remember the sense. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because he he was milking me for, again, it felt like an hour. So he must have just been really nervous. But why would you walk into a store? He had, like, a loaded gun. Why would you walk into a store with a loaded gun, like, just trying to like chat up this person for that long and like I took them to different departments and like and like tried to like understand what his grandmother's needs would be so we like he he started off like maybe get something for the kitchen but he settled on um, a reed diffuser scented with cypress rose and a matching candle so what, first of all, did you walk up to him or did he come up to you? He came up to me. And you were where? At like behind the counter? Or? I don't know. I was just somewhere on the floor and he asked okay. for advice on picking out a present. So after showing him around, he chooses a reed diffuser. And can you explain to us what a reed diffuser is? Hold on, real quick though, Jill, did he have a hat on or a hood or anything? Uh, I mean, my memory is not too good. I The way I yeah. picture him is he had like a white hat on. And like but still, this guy's hoodie. walking around a place that has cameras everywhere, I'm yeah. assuming, right? And a, and, and a cash yeah. drawer that maxed out at like 200 bucks. <laughs> so. Christ, what a moron. Okay, so yeah, what is a reed diffuser? A reed diffuser is just um like those, they're like a jar filled with like oil and then like sticks, reeds that stick uh. out and like first the scent i've seen them so, yeah yeah it's like an alternative to a candle if yeah. you're if you don't want to light candles because you're afraid of you know fires or whatever you can you can have these things sitting around and they don't okay. work as well is that correct yeah. and they're they don't la- they last like a piece of juicy fruit they're all yeah <laughs> this story is the best because you get an in-depth understanding of reed diffusers <laughs> and also the most terrifying moment in a human being's life okay so then all right <laughs> Not to get too dark. All right. So we have reed diffusers, right? Mm -hmm. Then he gets the match. So what was the scent of the reed diffuser? It was cypress rose. I went through and I got all the scents for him. Like I said, well, these because they split them out in sections, like spice scent or if you want a grass scent or aqua or floral. And I said, floral is popular with people that might be in your grandmother's age group. If you're not thinking about like a kitchen, like he was looking at salt and pepper shakers that were in the shape of like chickens before that or something. (laughs) The whole time you're doing a great job of like, yeah, you're like, oh man, you know what? They have the lavender, but that's more of a younger crowd. Yeah, that's a young man's game. Yeah. I'm not phoning it in. 
those chickens, you're working on commission, right? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This grandmother may as well be my own grandmother because I want this gift to be as perfect for her as it would any other human being. Okay. <laughs> Got to get that invisible commission. Yeah. You know, you know Tom talked about this previously where, and it, it, it happens to me too. And I think it's just because this is the type of people we are because we are blue collar type of people where you went to that job and even though you didn't like it, you still did the best job you could, right? Yeah. So, and Shake was saying the same thing. Exactly. And Babies Are Us or any other job, you didn't go there and just like be a, a, like a loaf. You were there to work and do a job and you tried, right? And mm-hmm. nothing would piss me off more than seeing people not putting the same effort in as me yes. at a job. Exactly. So either, either way, you got, you know, you got John Wayne there. He's got his gun. <laughs> walking around the entire time the entire time walking around with a loaded gun with Mm -hmm. a girl in high school and she's pointing out different scents doing being very polite i'm assuming you're a polite person being very polite being very knowledgeable pointing out different things to get and he's just going you know what she probably would like that better and she would probably like was he like engaging with you I think so. He didn't seem weird until he was pointing gun at me. <laughs> so he, he was really under my radar until that moment. Yeah, that must have been a really bizarre situation. You know what, like, you know what it could have been? If, if I'm putting myself in this guy's place and I'm robbing you, Jill, I'm going in there and I'm like, okay, the, 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 the big thing here is the register. That's where all the moolah's at, right? So mm-hmm. if there are people at the register then I have to wait till they're gone so I can get this person alone at the register, right? True, so yeah. I wonder if there was a, like, a customer that's being a pain in the ass at the register. It's like one person being a oh, huge yeah. ass at the register. So he's got to waste time with you talking about grandma until that person's done being a pain in the yeah. ass at the register. And then you guys can go up there alone and he can pull the gun on you. Do you think Good that could, like that's probably what could have happened at least you know in my mind thinking but well, I don't know. Well and my manager now that I'm thinking you're making me think about it I, she was in the back and it was just me and that woman cuz it was probably during the week or something yeah. so he was probably just waiting for her to go in the back and grab a lamp or something and oh. <laughs> try and get me alone but you think I mean obviously he's not a genius but like maybe have the manager open the cash drawer not the high school kid because <laughs> because yeah. that became a problem was just getting the cash drawer open <laughs> okay okay so then let's let's move on so he picks out the 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 thing he picks out the reed diffusers with the the matching scented candle they then go you then go to the register and you're like okay sir the grand total is gonna be 27 dollars, and i think your grandmom's really gonna love this and he says, mm-hmm. fuck my grandma, empty that cash. <laughs> what did he say? Did he say anything? Um, no, he didn't say anything. I was ringing him up, signed him up for a loyalty program thing. Then. <laughs> wait a sec. Wait, is this <laughs> true? Information? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's real, no but way. I remember because you recorded you signed up it. for the for the loyalty. Yeah, you write down their phone number on like a receipt paper for the day, oh, and I wrote down his phone number. 
I don't know if it ended up being his. But, I'm beginning to think this poor guy like oh, had a good guy. idea. Yeah. And really, by the end of it, he just decided to pull a gun on you because of all, all the stuff you were saying. <laughs> you think I inspired him? I'm wondering if he's talking to you this whole time, thinking like, man, this girl's really nice. She seems like she would like guns. And then instead of oh, pulling yeah. a gun on you... Like, hey, I have a gun. Have you ever seen one of these? You seem cool. Do you like guns? And then right away, you're like, ah, gun, take everything in the drawer. Ugh. That's so good. So he signs up for the loyalty program. That's, he signs that's up incredible. for the loyalty program. I cannot believe that. He signs up for the loyalty no. program. Like, I wonder if he's redeemed anything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't he's know. He's probably out of the clink that by now. Be hysterical. That would be hysterical. Okay. Like, uh, I don't have the receipt. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. You sign him up for the loyalty program. Then sign what? him up, whatever. He, I do my thing on the, the screen, and next time I look up at him, he's got it, like, his gun, like, at his belly button. Um, and he does, isn't saying anything. He's just, like, making eye contact with me. And I, like, didn't say anything because I didn't know... My yeah. brain wasn't at that level, you know, <laughs> like I'm thinking Cypress Rose and grandmother. So he's just staring at me and I'm staring at him. Um, and that seems to go on for a while until he says, um, I like, I need some money. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, and, and I just continue to stand there. Like I, I needed the instruction cause my brain like just turned off. Sure. Um, so he, I just stood there and he said, well, um, how do you open the drawer? And I said, uh, okay, okay. And then I, I said, you, you need to be a manager to open the drawer. And he said, well, ring me out as like a cash customer. And I said, okay, do you have any cash? And he said, no. <laughs> and I said, okay. And then I hit like the cash button and open the drawer. And then I didn't, I didn't move or like, I, that's just the thing that I remember was like, not like, I turned into like basically a human rock and like I didn't think about what to do in that transaction so he like had to guide me through coach me through being robbed um so, so I just opened the drawer and then he like said can you lift it up I can't reach it and then like I had to lift it up and then he like I held it there as he's like 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 squirreling around in the drawer and like he said what about the others and I said I don't know how to open the others and he said forget it because I couldn't I couldn't think so he just left after stealing like the first drawer and then left <laughs> he take the gift for the grandma he did yeah <laughs> I had it all bagged up for him wrapped oh. up and but there's four cash registers so he like gave up on me because I was being too incompetent <laughs> I can't, how, many, uh, how much it was 200 you said was in the drawer like if that like that. i don't even it may have been just like 19 dollars. It, it was a weekday at a pier one in a cash drawer like what are you what are you aiming yeah. for? well and the backstory is is that uh, when they caught like they caught him and like yeah. there was like a report and what he did was like before then he had stopped at a tantopia to try and rob them and they also didn't have any cash, so he just stole some, like, preloaded gift cards and parked in reverse with his license plate parking at the window. 
So when he pulled away, they took down his license plate number, and then he made it over to me to go shopping for his grandmom, and then they caught him. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. I That's, like, that's really scary thinking about that now. <laughs> Well, and then considering how considering how terribly you handled not not I mean who can handle it the right way but I'm saying you weren't complying with him whether well, you there, wanted to or not you weren't but then there and, was and I mean I'm I'm thinking you were really lucky you didn't get shot there's yeah. and the thing was is it was so subtle like there was a person next in line and they wanted to be checked out like they didn't even know what had just happened yeah so I just I just like stood there and I said I'm gonna need a second and I just like stood there while that person stared at me like staring off into space and then eventually my manager came out and she and she said what's going on here and I said um I think uh there's been a robbery and then and she said are you okay and then I like just started crying and like waited in the back for Tom to pick me up (laughs) oh my god that is could you imagine if you didn't give customer service like good customer service he would have shot (laughs) yeah definitely Yeah. Unbelievable. Jill, Unreal. That, you know what? I mean, Jill, I know that's traumatic for you, and I'm not trying to take anything away from you, but I can even see it in you now, Shake, that when uh, Ilvi has told me so- stories similar to this where something's happened to her and I wasn't there to, like, defend her or help her, and it gets me so mad and, like, so bothered, you know? So I know this story does that to you, Shake. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly absolutely. Right. And but, and to be honest with you, this has always been like the go-to fun. I mean, fun might not be the right word, but yeah. interesting story to bring up and tell people yeah. about. Just whenever I remember that Jill worked at Pier One, I instinctively have to tell people, "Oh yeah, she got held up there." Yeah. And it's been nothing but like a joke for me. But this, I'm not kidding. Like it's that's like intense, man. That's oh, that's wild. It makes you so angry. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes you and well, and just you know, empathetic for the first time with yeah. you know, poor Jill. Like, yeah, for her, it's not a joke. It'll be okay. <laughs> It'll be all right, guys. Oh, I feel I'm, like... gonna, I'm gonna be okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. I feel like life has been weird. That same year, my bro- little brother got held up at gunpoint. But with a fake gun, and then my mom got hit Brando? by a drunk driver. Yeah, <laughs> all in the same like section, like season. <laughs> so let's time out real quick. A uh, little story for you, Jill. Uh, huh. Brando. So at at Tom's bachelor party, right? Your husband Tom. At Tom's bachelor party, uh, I had my one of my buddies I work with. He was in a hotel that was directly across the street from our hotel. And he can okay. into our hotel room, right? And then like, yeah. he texts me. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I was like, nothing, chilling. I got to go to my car. You want to meet me? And like went to my car, talked, met one of his buddies, said, what's up, man? You know? And he's like, dude, you guys got chicks in the room already? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, no? And he was like, and he was like, dude, we saw a chick in there with long hair. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's actually the bride's brother <laughs> who has the long hair. Yeah, so they thought- beautiful flowing hair. Yeah, yeah. that's an incredible. I didn't ever heard that story. That's great. Ocean City, Maryland. That's where that was. Yeah, and he. That- was- <laughs> Another caveat: me and uh, Brando actually went out for a nice steak dinner, just the two of us. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so- <laughs> that- Man, you got a date. 
<laughs> your buddy saw, then your buddy walked into the restaurant and saw Brent, the back of Brandon's head yeah. with long we went, hair and thought you were there with a the lady. <laughs> well, we went to this place and it was so like uh, something had happened where like there was like a split up. But I was like, Brando, like some something was going on. But I was like, either way, I was like, Brando, how about I get you out of the house for a little bit? And he's like, yes, please do. So I was like, all right, let's go grab. I really want a steak. So let's go. So we went to this place that was like a super high-end place. And it was like in the middle. It was like everyone was coming back from the beach and like the bars. And we had come back early. So I was like, dude, I'm not waiting. Let's go. You know? And we eventually all met up later and ate and got whatever. But so me and him went to this place. And it was a super high-end place. And I go in there and I had like a button down and like boat shoes and whatever. And he walks in in his black like army boots and like ripped jeans and his you know his hair and like a death metal t-shirt and I was yeah like, yeah that sounds right and he told the waitress he's like he's like i want a bourbon and a steak that's bloody as hell and i was like this fucking guy <laughs> the yeah. man that rules yeah so brando me and brando hit it off so all right so let's do this then we're gonna skip the timeline a little bit because i want to really talk about the job you're doing now so we, uh, I know we had the incident at Pier 1 Imports. Uh, you know, hope that guy's grandmom had a nice birthday. And then, <laughs> uh, and then, so I know after that, you had like a Babies R Us gimmick and like a bunch of things. And from what I've seen on the outside of the pharmaceutical uh, company, uh, you guys do a lot of bouncing around, at least. It seems where it's like these women are, they're just chasing the higher, the higher, the higher thing and going up and, and, and like they're being recruited. You know, like women are like these women are so in, in need and in, in value that they're being recruited by all these different pharmaceutical companies to fill these different roles. And that's just getting higher and higher and higher and higher. But people don't know this. And I found this out. And this to me is fascinating stuff. So if you want, if you're a company and you want to release a drug, that's not just like make it, create it, send it out. That does not happen. The, the, the stuff you have to go through just the testing of it cost millions of dollars. So mm -hmm. like say you wanted to do something for, let's say, let's just pick a, now this is nothing. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. Let's say something for like asthma, right? So say there's a guy out there. He's like, look, the pharmaceutical company's like, look, we got a chemist. This guy's a rock star. He made something for asthma, right? Then they have to test it on, and the asthma is made for this specific type of asthma. So like, look, you got asthma, A, B, C, D, you can get this drug. So you have to find all these people that fit the age, the weight, and have the condition to take this drug. So you have to find all these people. Then you have to get them cleared physically by a doctor. Then mm -hmm. you have to have someone that monitors the station that they're going to be testing these at. So someone that goes in there to check like, hey, all this was done. This was kept clean. This is done. This was all set up. They have this, this, and this. Then you have someone that not only monitors the people getting tested, you have someone monitoring the stuff they're testing them with, monitoring the facilities they're getting tested in, monitoring the budget they have for this certain testing facility, right? Yeah. All of this just is so someone could go psh, psh, into their nose at the end of the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this stuff yeah. is crazy to me. So- in the grand scheme of things, and I know it's a lot, where are you fitting into this, that type of picture? Are you in that yeah. side or somewhere else? No. So I think 
um, your wife, Ilvia, does a lot of the clinical stuff. So that would be more like clinical from my, I don't even deal with any of that. (laughs) What I do is the, I I would just self-describe as the most boring part, which is regulatory affairs, which is how I describe it to like people that are outside of industry or even within industry. I say, it's like if you hired someone to be or hired an entire department, regulatory affairs, to be an expert at the DMV. Like, we just have to know all of the rules and regulations for each country. And all it is is just knowing how to work within those rules and those systems. And nobody really, like, it's just like, it's like red tape and weird, like, lingo and weird, like, um, ways around, yeah. But this is actually, this is even more fascinating because this is the stuff oh. you really know. Think about this, right? Think about this. I want to get a drug made in, and I want it. Te- you're, you're not even saying made. You're saying testing regulations, right? Or all of it. No, the whole thing. The whole okay. thing. So you need to, you know, you like, you could know that like, look, this guy, he's operating out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or, you know, whatever, Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania, it's in the United States jurisdiction. So that means that if you want to get this drug approved in this area, that you have to have at least 100 candidates pass on this. And it can't show any of this systems like you would know the exact number of things that they would need to get done to qualify to even have it put in front of a board to get approved as a drug to be sent onto the shelves. Right. So the laboratory would be where it starts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be where it's I mean, it's the birth of like a a drug product. So like wherever that starts, like different companies might like buy drug products or programs from other companies that are just started like at a university or like an actual small biotech place. But the essential part is like the birth of whatever you think you've discovered. And then um, you, you start doing testing in animals, which there's like guidelines and things to do for that testing. And there's, like good time out time out sorry yeah so they're testing on animals are there or there has to be specific animals you can test you can't just test i can't just grab you know somebody's hamster no no it well if it's all for the everything's for the purpose of formal submission to a health authority so with that you have to play by the rules of like what's called GCP, good clinical practice, and GMP, good manufacturing process. So there's like like a set rule of of standards of like what your, what animals and where you can get those animals from and like everything. So like, like, yeah. And even like, so back up, like zoom out to regulatory affairs, like the product of regulatory affairs is what it says on like the label of your which isn't even my department if that's commercial but the label on um your your drug that it says like sometimes you might have a heart attack or get depression and stuff all of that is leading up to like having those that information on the side of the bottle that's the whole process of drug development is getting like there's like arguments back and forth about what what you can even write on there so um that's the like down to where you source the cotton ball in your ibuprofen like where you got the cotton from has to be like specific so yeah 
you think now if you're if you're a drug company like like let's say like a Merck, right? So Merck then knows all this. So then the, when you're a big company, does that mean that you have a place that has the animals? You have a place mm-hmm. that has cotton like the you own, like you're like, look, I'm doing this. I own all these. They're all regulated. They all fit the scheme. They all paid the uh, paid up to be part of the whatever thing, yeah. right? So how that's like massive job creation there because yeah. not only you have someone that's like producing the animals and the cotton, then you have someone that has to monitor where they're produced. You have someone that has to check to make sure that they pass the inspection of where they're being produced. You have mm-hmm. to have someone that makes sure that they keep up with their like their insurance codes of the area they're being produced, and then also has to keep up with the I guess the the bot the governing body of like yeah. look, you have a yearly thing you have to pay and you have to pass this yearly exam or monthly exam or whatever it is to yeah. qualify to have your animals sent there. So if like say for instance you get someone's animals, right? And they didn't pass their thing that of uh, like say they, you know, didn't get their thing passed and still sent you the animals, that could wreck your whole testing and you could have to start from scratch all over again. Am I right? Um yeah, so like if you were a scientist uh-huh. in like a laboratory, you uh-huh. could and I'm not an expert on this, but like uh you could essentially get a printout of what is acceptable to what are acceptable animal like studies. Yep. And you would hire like a regulatory person to like identify that stuff, but you could you could do that and then start testing those animals with like and then you have like data points that you have to like no, I mean, you have to hit certain criteria and make sure it's the, how it works uh, slightly, I think, <laughs> is you have to be able to prove that it's either more effective or more safe than what's already out on the market. Oh, so like, wow. you can't yeah. create another like um, heartburn medication that's exactly the same as the one that's already out there. So they yeah. control like who, how many how many of those you can have, and like for example, that's just like I'm pretty sure that's only the U.S. Like yeah. I have I have people that are Australian where the government funds the um, all of the research and they set the rules for for all of that stuff. So, so I I don't know. Like so for so say for like let's talk like and this is just ballpark. So like when they've got a leave out right. Aleve was, I think, like the most recent, let's say the most recent pain relief med that came out, right? And so Aleve had to be better than ibuprofen and Advil and all that stuff. It couldn't be just mm-hmm. the exact same formula because otherwise yeah. it's just Aleve, it's just that. So they had to have something a little different that still yeah. fit into the regulation, like the government regulations. That's crazy. That's why there's always a race to get out there on the market first. And then also like once you get out there first, you can, you have, I think it's 10 years to use your like um, patent and then it can become a generic drug. So that's why things are more expensive too, to get out there first because you can't piggyback on most people's science because you're the newest, greatest thing. And then on top of it, you're going to run it that, that, uh, that whatever is going to dry up because it's going to turn into a generic at some point, and then you're going to not oh, have so like any that, profit yeah, on that, it. Okay, I see. So and crazy. something that something that I think you guys 
may have touched on or may not have is something I I really didn't know about until I heard these stories from Jill is like, I was like everyone else. When I think of pharmaceutical companies or biotech companies, I'm picturing giant, massive, huge companies worth billions of dollars that are Merck and, you know, uh, GSK, all these like giant companies. And what I'm, what I've come to realize from the stories from Jill is that a lot of times, I mean, there is these giant companies and they do have research teams that develop things, but there's also little teeny tiny companies, you know, it's kind of like in the, mostly the ones that do the research. Most, most giant companies don't do the research. They just buy the research from little companies. Right. It's like a food chain situation where there's the little ones swimming around and the giant whales swimming around, and sometimes the whales absorb the little ones and take them on. And yeah. but in the end, they all have to like pay the piper. Like they all have to submit to a so um, what's it called a health authority. Yeah. And like Jill, with her analogy, she was saying that it's like going to the DMV and having you know a special DMV lawyer with you or <laughs> or paperwork expert. When these companies, whether it's little teeny tiny, you know. Uh, Jill Byers Pharmaceutical, or if it's Merck, they all have to submit these applications to the FDA or whatever your authority oh, is. And oh. even the application costs millions and millions of dollars. Um, so whether you're the little company or the massive company, if you submit, it has to go through or you're out all that money. Unless it's an orphan, but yes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's exceptions and I'm sure there's sure. like workarounds and stuff. But I mean... So that's where Jill's industry exists. Oh, it literally wow. exists because it's such a big risk. Yeah. It's such a, a a big situation to get this thing taken care of. Yeah. And what I always think of is, okay, so if the government actually came out and simplified this process and, and got rid of the red tape and the bureaucratic process, right. Jill's industry could disappear overnight. Wow. You know? I mean, maybe maybe that's a little simplistic no, on my well, part. I'm the sure. Planning and but, like and, all the other stuff. They, this all has to be covered through insurance, right? Because if this doesn't happen, then they're releasing drugs willy nilly that we're all then going to have three heads every time we pop. <laughs> you know I mean? Like this has to happen. This regulation of this, I am so for this regulation because. Like yeah. the, Oh, know, absolutely. Like, I'm not talking about removing the regulation. I'm talking like, about yeah. uh, just improving it. Like there's, well, there's situ- to, isn't there situations where people are still on paper? It. Like they've, they've gone non-digital? The, only recently, it yeah. used to be, most, most um, pharmaceutical places are in the East Coast because it used, the FDA is in um, Maryland. Um, so it used to be most things were still on paper. Only recently are you allowed to do electronic, um, filings. So people used to have to like print out thousands of pages of work and drive them literally to the FDA as like a representative. And and that (laughs) was a job because like, then that person would have to be qualified. Like, because if, say if something goes missing, that person driving it there is held reliable. So that person would have to be a qualified person for either, they'd probably have to have a representative from the FDA and a representative from the pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. to go over together or something like that, right? Because they would it's have just to- just on, the FDA doesn't care if you get it all there or not, they'll reject you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Kind of, yeah. 
Wow. Oh, what's the term? What's the term for the rejection? You were just saying this. Refuse to file is when you can't get a drug a drug on the market for an NDA. Is wow. So, so if a refuse to file comes down the pipe, you're that company that receives that is like cleaning house and super sad. Well, I mean, they just got to re- rework what they did. I, <laughs> yeah. You can withdraw your application and redo it based on the so, FDA's guidance and stuff like that. But. So honestly, you've probably saved people millions of dollars because think about it like this, Joe. How many times has someone sent you the thing? They're like, hey, we got this thing all spit shined and polished up, ready to send to the FDA, Jill. What do you think? And you look through it and you're like, oh, no. Uh, for this, for this governing body, you need to have seven more animal, seven more deer tested or whatever it is. And for this <laughs> governing body, you can't use a saline solution when you clean the what or whatever's. Oh and my for- God. <laughs> I wish I knew that. <laughs> I don't know that. I, I am. Yeah. There's somebody down the line stopping that. I, I don't know that stuff. Um, I do the the program management of it. I do the process of like getting all of the people that work in clinical and it's called non-clinical for the animals and regulatory and like whatever, all of the departments, I get them all to um, get their expertise. I describe this like my position itself. So like regulatory affairs is the DMV like analogy. And my analogy for my own position is I'm like a really good gardener where all of my experts in clinical, non-clinical, CMC, which is uh, chemistry, manufacturing, and controls, That's those are the people that know like um, the, the cotton ball like origin story and stuff like that. Um, all of those experts are my flowers. And if I wasn't there weeding and raking and watering the garden – then they wouldn't shine. But otherwise, you have no idea what the heck I'm doing because because I, I kind of work behind the scenes to get everybody looking good and up to date and ready to go. Oh, I see. So that's so okay. So you're kind of like monitoring every like everyone's working kind of together to get this yeah. thing prepared to send to the FDA. And you're kind of monitoring all of it saying like, hey, nope, this has to be, let's clean this up and let's take this out and let's add this just so everything gets ready to be added, like for when they do send it up to the FDA so that it was covered before it got up there, right? Yeah, I merge, I get everyone who's talking basically different languages to speak one language and put it into it like a place that the FDA can read it. Let let me, let me, uh, toss in another analogy that might work well. And you let you let me know if this is accurate or not. You also might hate this analogy. So Jill is like the quarterback and she has to take all the other players on her team, you know, the science related people and the money related people. And she has to get them to perform their jobs well in order for the whole process and the whole team to succeed. You know, and I think when it comes to project management and frankly, like, all white collar work, a huge, huge like hurdle that a lot of people run into and that causes a lot of friction is when the uh, science-based people or the basically the creators of something have to deal with the money people. And the money people want to come in and say, you know, what can you do that's going to help us financially? And the science-based people are saying, screw the financials, we're doing, you know, we, we value the science thing. Um, 
And basically what Jill's doing is keeping a harmony between all, all of those parties and saying, listen, we're going to get all this science crap done. We're going to make it, you know, financially viable because this is a business after all, you know? And I, I think that that's like a really important skill that just, you know, people don't even talk about that, like handling personalities in this industry. Honestly, could not, I could not agree more. So Jill, do you run like a lot of projects and like run a lot of meetings and things like that? Um, yeah. Okay. So I was in SME on a CRM creation this last year. Uh, uh-huh. For those of you who don't know, SME stands for subject matter expert. <laughs> so uh, I was in SME on this project and there was a lady that ran this project and I'll just call it, her name's Trish. And she was so incredible and was such like a badass to watch she would come in she would run the meeting she was asking the questions she was going down the line she was ungodly organized she was ungodly she was so thorough she was great at listening she was able to communicate what everybody wants to everybody if there was an issue she didn't wait she got right on it she was fantastic and was like a huge part of the success of a project so Jill, if you're that person, holy shit, Ola, more power to you. Because then you have like, not only do you have to deal with like jabronis, but then you have like assholes like me that are like, no, this is how it needs to be. And this is why it's got to be like this. Don't listen to me. Right? Like you got yes. all that. <laughs> you got people that are too big for their britches. And then you got the bozos. But then also... And, and I think if you haven't been on a meeting where this happens, then you're not on meetings. So with, <laughs> with everything going on with COVID, how many times, Jill, have you been in a meeting and you've been like, hey, Greg, what do you think about this? And you don't hear anything from Greg. Hey, Greg, you still there, bud? Uh, what do you think about this? You're on mute, Greg. <laughs> and Greg comes in and Greg goes, oh, sorry, I was talking on mute. That is 100% bullshit because he wasn't talking on mute he was out getting coffee or making a sandwich or whatever <laughs> he was gonna get shout out it happens all the time man i believe right? greg in that instance i believe greg though my excuse when i'm completely not listening i just say well i'll be on mute and then i'll turn it back on and then i'll say um can you can you go backwards and reframe that question because I don't know what, because I, okay, I have not been listening to a single second before you said my name and stopped talking. Oh, wow. Yeah. I might do that. Okay. So I wish we could touch more on your job. <clears throat> yeah, Matt, real, real quick. Sorry. I know that, I know that we're running up against time here, but one thing, Jill, if you can just give a very, very quick insight for, you know, something that might be important to a lot of people in America, which is COVID and the oh, development yeah. of, call, of vaccines Jay. and stuff. Just real, like just one thing that us, the normal people, we might not understand about this process because we're all sitting around thinking, yeah, where the hell's the vaccine? Let's just get it out there and, and let's do it. Yeah. Is there just one little thing that will give us a better understanding of, of how that process is going and what we need to understand as it goes forward? Um, well, I don't, I, I wish I had something cool to say because I, I really don't know, but, um, because I don't, I don't work on any COVID programs, but what I would guess is that, um, I know there's special government programs in place to try and uh, like expedite 
the process. Like I know from our side, like takes a certain amount of time and money and paperwork to get something from being invented in a lab to like actually on the shelf. Um, and I, I'm guessing that they have certain things in place for COVID um, to get that expedited. I know they do. I can't think of the term for it, but um, <laughs> I think you need to be a big company at this point And just like the ones that are in the front runners right now that have the vaccine, it, it had to be a large company that yeah. just has all of this data on programs that already exist that they can then pivot into yeah. something that works for COVID as well. But if you're like, if you're a chemist at this time or like someone who does that kind of thing for like vaccines, this is like, this is like your Super Bowl time, right? Like you're like there cause they're, well, I guess it's like your draft cause they just expanded the league and they're picking up anybody who can, <laughs> who can yeah. and, and hit a ball. You know what I mean? Like they want anybody in there because it doesn't like whoever comes up with it first, they're putting it through the ringer. And when it comes out, cause they, they're actively looking for a cure, right? They're not going to screw us like they're doing with AIDS. Like they're acting <laughs> cancer. Like they're actively looking for a cure. Yep, <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're still pissed about all the money they lost on polio. You know? Conspiracy theory Matt came out real late in this episode. Polio. All right. So, okay. Well, Jill, that honestly, I really enjoyed that. That was a great insight to what you do. And it's, that's really like, I really am fascinated by that stuff. And when we have you on again, <clears throat> we'll get more in depth on like your, you know, after you got held up at pier one, and then we'll get more in depth on, on your, uh, you know, on your current job. And, you know, you'll probably have figured out the vaccine by then. So that'd be great. So, all right. I think the Jill, only, Jill's going to figure out the COVID vaccine. The, Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> I think the only worthwhile uh, pivot, if I, if I were to recur again, would be going from wherever I came off into going into this industry, because like we talked about, like there's a lot of room for people to get a job here. And if a boob like me could do it, <laughs> uh, any, anybody can. So <laughs> yeah, just, just oh, yeah. figure out the map on how to get from A to B and then get your job in the pharmaceutical industry. And you'll be yeah. kind of happy you did it. <laughs> All right. That works. All right. Good. No. Yeah. I'm with you. Hey, P honestly, <laughs> People too. People put like if you're in a service serving job, like at a restaurant or a bar or something, you put office jobs on a pedestal where you don't realize the people at offices are fucking idiots. They're mm -hmm. I work with so many lazy, stupid bastards. <laughs> they wouldn't last a second in the restaurant business or in the bar business. They're lazy, yeah. they're stupid. It drives me up the wall that people like anyone in the restaurant industry would ever put some of them lazy bastards up on a pedestal because no way absolutely not <laughs> i've worked with some dopes in the restaurants but they're fucking gems compared to the morons i have to work with <laughs> also, the politics in an office makes me sick it makes me absolutely sick so, <laughs> we'll see and and uh pharmaceutical industry is the white collar blue collar job everybody actually is clocking in and clocking out because they feel like they're making a positive change and doing their best and all of that stuff. So it's just even more people that every, are actually every, trying to do that. Every, Hey, every cog in the wheel in the pharmaceutical industry is doing something good. I truly believe that every part of it, 
even you know like there, every part of, and it's needed every little thing i think in the pharmaceutical industry is needed that it has to be overly regulated and it has to be overly done dude we don't know we don't know shit right this wi-fi <laughs> and bluetooth is so new in a hundred years, we could all have yeah. thumbs growing out of our ass because we use. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, we have no clue. We have no clue how bad this could be for us. It could be the number one cause of pollution. Could be Wi-Fi. We would have no idea. So, yeah. right, like smoking cigarettes a hundred years ago was freaking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, forget about it. <laughs> our, our great grandkids would be like, "Could you remember those dopes that used to have wireless headphones?" What a bunch of morons. (laughs) All right, Jill. So we're coming to the creme de la creme of the interview, and I want to ask you some questions. Are you ready? I am. All right. So question number one. Uh, What was your favorite movie at the age of 10? Um... I think the best choice would probably be Bring It On. Ever been to a cheerleading competition? We have fun, we work hard, and we win national championships. We have a problem. About what? You ripped off those cheers. We've had the best squad around for years, but no one's been able to see what we can do. We're in trouble. But you better believe all that's going to change this year. I swear, I had no idea. Do you think a white girl came up with those moves? This isn't about cheating. This is about winning. Can we just beat these buffies down so I can go home? We might have to have a rumble. I'll take out famous losers for 200 Alex. Shut up, moron! You want to make it right? Then when you go to nationals, bring it. That way, when we beat you, we'll know it's because we're better. I'll bring it. Don't worry. <laughs> the cheerleading oh, movie. Okay. Cheerleading movie, bring it on. Uh, yeah. Kirsten Dunst, Elijah Dushku, right? Could be. Yep. Who's married to Dwayne Wade? The hot Gabriel Union. Oh, babe. Woo! (laughs) Rocket. Man, okay. (laughs) Bring it on. All right. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, Jill, I've known you for a few years. You never struck me, even though you dated the quintessential high school jock captain of the football team, Prom King, uh, even though you ended up marrying him, you did not seem to me like you would be a, a cheerleading type. Were you a cheerleader? I am not the cheerleading type, but I was a cheerleader because my best friend and boyfriend were – Tom was a football player and my best friend was a cheerleader. So I felt like if I was going to see the two important people – yeah, they all, Sarah, Ashley, and Jamie were all cheerleaders. <laughs> Cheerleader by proxy. <laughs> to correct the record, I wasn't the prom king. I, I quite literally did not have an adequate GPA to be considered for the uh, homecoming court. Yeah, I so. got expelled from two high school shakes, so come to me then, okay, <laughs> But uh, you know what I would love? I would love to have Jamie on here for for an interview. I think she would that, like that. I think that the, I would – Shake, I would do it. Would you do it? I'm in, man. I'm definitely in. She'd be a great guest. I think so, too. I think Jamie would be a great guest, and I think she would be – and plus, plus, Jamie could be – she's a little – like, I'm not saying rough around the edges, but she wouldn't – be afraid to throw some like gaudy stuff out you know what i'm saying like oh, yeah. a little blue which would be cool 
Yeah. So like we could be a little, we could talk like have guy talk a little more. You know what I mean? Maybe uh, also, maybe we should also, serve drinks during this podcast and get everybody to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we do serve drinks. Uh, you're just not at my house, so. Oh shoot. But, yeah. But uh, no, I would love to ask Jamie what was going through her head the night, <laughs> remember, on St. Patrick's Day on the way home from Maniunk, and uh, I pretended- Oh my God, she wanted to kill you. Oh, <laughs> I, I think I pissed myself laughing. I literally think I did. Either way, moving on. Okay, so now we're on to question number two. Jillian, uh-huh. Jillian May Byers, uh, what is your favorite movie right now? Or favorite TV show? We'll throw in that too because it's just this is seems like a nightmare question for you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Matt? Um, my favorite, my favorite movie right now is um, Tootsie. Let me tell you about my client, Michael Dorsey. He was a fine actor, but for every role he wanted, there was a reason why he wasn't right. Sorry, you're too tall. I can be shorter. No, I can't use you. Too short. Oh, I can be taller. Too moody. Next. Too old. Too stubborn. You're too much trouble. Too tough. Too temperamental. Too pushy. Too difficult. Michael, no one will hire you. Just watch me. Boy, did he show us. He auditioned for the female lead on a soap opera and became the hottest new actress in America. And you know what? No one knows his new identity, not even the girl he's madly in love with. Soon everyone will know that she's Dustin Hoffman and he's Tootsie. <laughs> oh, that, that is a great movie, Dustin Hoffman, right? Yeah, that's him. You know that in writing school? in like you know like uh film like film writing school or tv whatever school they they make you watch that for as like the ideal script for a movie i guess it's put together perfectly but yeah 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 i i actually did know that because of uh tina fey puts it yeah yeah wait oh my god (laughs) yes (laughs) pretty cool all right yeah there we are So you like 30 Rock as well? Yeah, love 30 Rock. Dude, big fan, big fan. Awesome. Okay, so let's move on. Okay, we have 13 minutes left before my wife comes in and shoots me. So (laughs) if you could give yourself a nickname, Jillian, what would it be? Um, Give myself a nickname. can Uh, can uh, Can I give you an example that might help you? That would be great. So uh, we had another guest on the podcast. Um, we it was uh, his name was Burn, right? And not to give away mm-hmm. too much, <clears throat> but when Burn was on here, I think he said something to the fact of like he would talk to his wife and say, and his wife would bring up like an ex boyfriend, and he'd be like, "Well, am I taller than him?" And she'd be like, "Well, yeah, you're six three. He's like, "Well, I don't give a shit. I'm taller than him, so I'm better than him." <laughs> Right. So his nickname, I think he wanted to be, what was his shake? Do you remember? Uh, not, not either stilts or stretch. I think he might've been stretch. He was stretch. Yeah. So he, his is stretch because he wants to be taller than everybody. So something along those lines, what, what was in now? What, what comes to mind? First thing that comes to mind, you can give yourself a nickname. Three, two, one, go. 
all. <laughs> oh my god! I can't think of anything. Um, well, I mean, that's our nickname for you, but yeah. <laughs> Joe, please, this is a family. This is a family program. Oh man, you're you're setting traps for me. First, first thing that I I could think of. Yeah. I didn't have the prep question. <laughs> I... And normally I would ask my husband what what would be a good nickname, and I can't because he's one of the hosts. So yeah, I don't know. Can I have a new question? I'm really. I don't know. I don't yeah, have it. These questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't believe I'm taking the heat for this. Okay. So we're going to come back to that question. Shake, you're going to okay. have some editing to do this episode. Okay. Yeah. All right. So next question. If you could host a TV show, what would it, what TV show would you host? And it could be real or made up. Um, I, uh, a late night talk show i guess i'm used to that format you like that like uh i like like do you never watch james corden i'm a big james corden guy i I never watched james corden i'm i'm thinking of like conan conan talk about do you remember when conan was on nbc right yeah he was i love we so yeah shake i don't know if you were ever at this house but i had a house was on markle street in roxborough right oh yeah and this place was a dump. It was four guys that lived there. We did a ton of drugs, a ton of booze, partied all the time. The place was like a pit. And like, I was, I, we, we all had younger brothers. So the younger brothers would come and drink underage there. And we'd have rager yep. parties all the time. And like tons, it was tons of fun. You know, it was awesome. But like, it, it also was, it, it was what it was. But either way, it was also four guys living together. So for eight months out of the year, we didn't pay the hot water bill and we didn't, we only had cable for like, like twice for like a month. Right. Uh, we had to steal our internet from our neighbors. Right. <clears throat> so, but what we would do is, is we would take the cable cord and we would plug it into the back of the TV and you were able to get certain channels. For some reason we got like with just like the cable cord, we were able to get NBC uh abc fox uh and uh the cbs uh, wb or cbs and for some reason we got mtv2 don't know why so either way we got all we got these channels so we would watch conan one we would watch so the way they used to do it is they would play the new episode and then later on at midnight they would play the rerun of the last week's episode so yeah. we were watching Conan religiously. Big Conan guys back then. Also, people forget this. There was a writer strike. I think it was like 07, 08, maybe around that time. Yeah. And <clears throat> during the writer strike, Conan was a genius. He would do this thing like, because they were like, look, we just have to eat up time. That's what this is about. We got to eat up time during the writer strike because we're having trouble writing monologues and things like that. So he set up a maze so that when the guests would come out, they would have to walk through a maze to get <laughs> just to buy up time. He's buying all the seconds he can, right? So he but That's he did so a good. great job of keeping the writer strike, you know, keeping things going during the writer strike. But yeah, okay. So you'd want to host a like a Conan O'Brien show. That's a great call. Okay. <clears throat> who would be who would be your uh, Andy Richter though? I have to ask this. Your co-host, who, yeah, your little sidekick. I would Could be... we call it the Jill and Ill Pandora? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Elvia would be perfect. <laughs> and so she should be the host, and I should be Andy Richter, ideally. 
Because yeah, she's probably. she's got the stuff to be a host. She's got real charisma. Yeah. I think we have a, a full spinoff podcast on our hands. Yeah, she loves complaining about me, so I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move on. Uh, next question. What TV game show would you want to be on, Jill? I always used to think that when I grew up, I would be on the uh, newlywed show. From the Chuck Barris stages in Hollywood, California. Here come the newlyweds. Yes, it's the newlywed game. Now let's get our newlywed couples for today. Couple number one, married just five months, Jane and Gary Nave. Couple number two, married just six months, Carolyn and Mike Stafford. Couple number three, married just five months. I thought that was just like a part of your like life that you eventually ended up on there once you got married. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed to find out that wasn't the case. So <laughs> I'm still open to it if they open it back up. Sure, sure. Well, hey, you could be the host of it too. Why not? There you go. There you go. <laughs> is the new is the newlywed show the one where the host used to go and kiss all of the contestants? No. no. That was Family Feud. Oh, Family Feud? Where, like, the original host guy would, like, would like grope the chicks and stuff? Oh, yeah. He had, like, the long, skinny mic. He was was dressed in the (laughs) gaudiest, like, uh, suits. He would walk up, and every woman he would kiss that was on the thing. It was, like, watching it now. I remember watching and being like, this is, like, uh, this is almost, like, upsetting to watch. You know? Like, not upsetting. it It was uncomfortable. Could you imagine when Louis Anderson was the host of, of, oh, of no. Louis Anderson? I am Louis Anderson. Welcome to the feud, the Lindsay family against the Hunter family. Dan, Adriana, let's play. <laughs> but either way, okay. So, Louis. Really getting down close time here. Okay, next question. Jill, what's the biggest word that you know the meaning of? Uh, oh my God. Just give us give us another acronym from the pharmaceutical industry that'll make us yeah, feel give us like a idiots. Yeah. Tell it. Oh, oh, oh. Matt was saying you about clinical trials and stuff, and if someone in the clinical trial doesn't do too well and is having uh, did not have a good moment, what is it called when they alert you? Oh, uh, a susar. Yes. Tell us what a susar <laughs> oh, is. Perfect. A susar. I like it. Suspected. Oh unexpected serious adverse reaction and what and what who would be a susar uh the unfortunate person of a clinical trial that has an unexpected serious adverse reaction like someone you're not expecting them to like have their arm fall off or like or death you know viagra has its drawbacks you can't win over yeah yeah exactly Okay, uh, so the next question would have been, what was the worst day of work uh, in your whole life? But I think we went over that earlier when someone robbed you. Uh, what, is that what you consider the worst day of work in your whole life, Jill? That's not what came to mind with this question. What came to <laughs> mind was... <laughs> what? Hold on. There's a worse day than getting robbed at gunpoint? Well, in my hey. opinion, it is... Well, because I didn't have control over that one. So the one that I like made a mistake on was where I texted my boss thinking that it was my mom. And I said, I called him an asshole. 
<laughs> I texted my boss and said that he was being an asshole and that he didn't believe my fake excuse for leaving work. Um, and then he immediately called me on the on the desk phone. And so I, instead of answering the desk phone, I went downstairs and left and drove home. <laughs> Were you fired then? No, I just came back the next day and pretended like nothing happened. Did he pretend like nothing happened? Um, he called me into his office the next day and, and said that he understood why I called him an asshole, but to not do it again and to be more careful with my texting. So you're saying you didn't mean to text him. You thought you were texting your mom. Yeah. But you accidentally opened up his text conversation and you said such and such is being such an asshole but you typed his name into his text. Yes. Oh my God. And also that he didn't believe my excuse to leave work early. So I'm also yeah. revealing that I'm like trying to get out of work. <laughs> oh my God. Excuse a fake excuse? Yeah, I told him that I needed to drive my grandmother to a doctor's appointment. <laughs> <laughs> and he said no. So then I texted him saying that he was being an asshole. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Good. Okay. Well, that's not a bad, I mean, you know, as far as worst day at works go, it's not the worst, but all right. Either way, last question and let's make it a good in. Uh, what was the best day at work in your whole life? Um, it was when I got a counter offer from one of my last jobs. I decided that I needed to move to California. So I pursued interviewing for like six months and finally somebody flew me out and made me a job offer so then my current job said that they didn't want to want to get rid of me so then they counter offered me and I said by the way I'm moving to California and they said okay great and then <laughs> and then upped my my salary and then let me move to California <laughs> completely like Damn. just non-intentional but that was my favorite work day <laughs> that sounds like a good ass work day to me All it was right. pretty good <laughs> yeah that's that's that's, a, that's how you advocate for yourself i think that women in general are so much better at advocating for themselves when it comes to uh their careers i think men are a little bit too uh bullheadish to uh to pull off something awesome like that yeah all right awesome well I'll tell you what, this has been a hell of a hell of an episode. Really, really good stuff. Really, really turned out well. I couldn't be yeah. happier with this. This was really, really good. All right, so well, we've come to the end of our episode here. Uh, another great episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I would like to thank Jillian Byers for coming on and kicking ass and giving us a really great insight on her day-to-day -day life and everything that she does and that jabroni she married. So uh, this is, as always, I am Matt Lavelle. I'm with Tom Byers. Our guest today was Jillian Byers. Uh, this is the Working Perspectives Podcast. This is the end of the episode. We're done. Bye.